Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And here we go. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Previous administration negotiated an agreement with the Taliban. He should be less focused on trying to blame this on someone else than to solving the problem of making sure that we protect and defend American security. This did not happen on our watch. Uh, sorry. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. And welcome to a brand new edition of Devious Motives, The Collapse of Afghanistan. I'm Brett Winterbull. Uh, it is it is Monday, the 23rd of August, when this is uh, being recorded for the program. And I'm struck by a number of different uh, elements that are happening as we watch this story. I want to uh, I want to pull out a little bit and I want to consider where it is we are relative to our allies, because this is a big deal. The left people like Anthony Blinken are notorious for talking about the interconnected world, right? The world is interconnected. Well, there, there are no safe spaces. Uh, you, you can't go it alone. I mean, the entire narrative, and I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this on a, on a regular basis, but I, I want to uh, A-B this, okay? The entire narrative of the evils of Donald Trump was America alone. America first is America alone. And uh, America strong is America alone. I mean, th- those were those were really the narratives. You know it and I know it very well if you've paid any attention to the politics of the last five or six years. So here you have Joe Biden making a decision effectively, and and he keeps pointing back to the former guy, okay? But ultimately, you're the commander-in-chief, and and you have to make the decision, and you made the decision to pull out. And what you did was you took America alone, essentially. Now, NATO hasn't been doing any heavy lifting for us. I mean, they do do good stuff, okay? The, The NATO allies are very important. I have never, ever come out and said that I, I didn't have respect for the tradition of the NATO alliance or any of that kind of stuff. And and really, I mean, we were pretty blessed to not have to activate uh, the article uh, of mutual defense until 2001. I mean, we had a really good long run. Uh, we didn't go to war with the Soviets. We didn't do any of that sort of stuff. But from a purely uh, foreign policy standpoint, if you have a, a guy who's the president who has sold as his bill of goods for 50 years, the uh, multilateral uh, internationalist approach of, of of politics out there in the security picture. And then all of a sudden you just you pull the plug in the tub and it drains. OK, and it drains. And what you are left with are thousands of American hostages and a hundred thousand Afghan hostages. That's really what you have. Like, let's just let's just cut right to it. That's really what you have. And so on Sunday, the president of the United States and I take no joy. I will I will constantly put this out there. I'm, I'm pretty rough and tough on Twitter, but I respect that we have one president at a time, one commander in chief at a time. And the current commander in chief is Joseph Robinette Biden. He owns this. He owns this completely, and he has completely alienated and freaked out our allies. I'll let you hear from the British uh, general or the British colonel uh, Kemp in a few minutes. 
But this is President Biden when pressed yesterday, Sunday, at that four o'clock statement that he made. Uh, This is this is President Biden uh, reacting in part to a question about a CBS News poll that said uh, people are looking at him like this is a failure, that this is bad news, that he's lost his mind, all these sorts of things. And this is his response trying to say that this is a great political policy, strategic decision that he took. Listen, you're sitting in Beijing or you're sitting in Moscow. Are you happy we left? (laughs) They love nothing better for us to continue to be bogged down there. Just to be clear, we we weren't bogged down in Afghanistan. I mean, even if you're a Trump supporter and and Trump did this negotiation with Barada and the rest of these guys, you uh, you, you, we were not bogged down in Afghanistan. We, We had gone 20 months without a, a, a death. And the fact is, we weren't bogged down. I mean, the Afghans were the people who were really bleeding. They were the ones that were going out there in the missions. We, we scurried out. We scurried out like we were going out for a pack of cigarettes. In, in, all, in all seriousness. I mean, take a, take a good hard look at how it is that we left Bagram. In the middle of the night, the commander didn't even know we were leaving. And we left. And we left, uh, we left with everything. And so you, you think that Russia and China are happy? We <laughs> no, um, yes, I, I think they're actually really happy <laughs> that we left. I think the Chinese are really happy because they're going to get those strategic resources. And, and I think the Russians are pretty happy because their client state, Iran, doesn't have an American forward operating base uh, right over the line in Herat or, or, in, uh, or, or, or in any uh, in Bagram. So uh, the fact of the matter is, yeah, I do think that they're actually pr- pretty darn happy that we left, that we left. One of the guys who I think does a tremendous job explaining uh, the implications for our allies is Colonel Richard Kemp. Now, he was interviewed by Mark Levin on Mark Levin's Fox TV show. Colonel Kemp, Colonel Richard Kemp, was the commander of troops in Afghanistan once upon a time. And you have now... Is Colonel who says, essentially, our president, our commander in chief, and this is a Brit saying it, he, that, that essentially he's, it's dere, he's dereliction of duty, that he abandoned our, our forces. And, and uh, Colonel, Colonel Kemp has got a very, very tough stand that he takes against President Biden. This is uh, uh, Colonel Richard Kemp, the former, former commanding officer of of, uh, Af- of uh, British forces in Afghanistan. So the whole world just became vastly more dangerous. The U.S. government, the U.S. government, Pre- President Biden humiliated the United States. He humiliated the United States Army. In my opinion, and I, I don't say this lightly, and I've never said it about anybody else, any other leader in this position, people have been talking about impeaching President Biden. I don't believe President Biden should be impeached. He's the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces, who's just essentially surrendered to the Taliban. He shouldn't be impeached. He should be court-martialed for betraying the United States of America and the United States Armed Forces. Let me tell you why this is such a concerning issue for the Europeans. We know, because we can go back in time uh, to 2014, when Barack Obama and Biden, Joe Biden, uh, were dismissive as hell about ISIS 
as ISIS was rampaging across Iraq and taking over vast swaths of Iraq and moving into Syria, uh, they were dismissed. They were dismissed in a number of disgusting ways. They were dismissed, first of all, by Barack Obama when he said that you can go and put on a uh, Kobe Bryant jersey, but that doesn't make you the Lakers, the, that ISIS was the JV squad. And that is, a, that is a direct, I will go find that quote and I will put it on my show in the afternoon if you don't believe me. You had Marie Harf, who was the State Department spokesperson. Now that position is occupied by little Ned Price, who is horrible. Uh, you had you had Marie Harf pushing the narrative under John Kerry as the secretary of state. Or as I was calling him, the secretary of Stain. John Kerry was the guy who was pushing climate change as the reason for the existence of ISIS. The reason ISIS existed is the same reason Al Qaeda existed in Afghanistan, that politically speaking, nature abhors a vacuum. And a vacuum will be filled. Think of the worst neighborhood in your town. Think of the worst neighborhood in America. Uh, Think of the South Bronx in the 1970s. Policing was overwhelmed or non-existent. And what happens? You end up ceding ground to the criminal, to the terrorist, to the thug. That's what it is. That's why Al-Qaeda doesn't go and open up a chapter um, in, in... columbia south carolina and put a big al-qaeda flag out in front of an office and go hey we're here because they know they'll get hit they go where they can operate freely they go into into east africa and west africa they go into the the sahel up in north uh, northwest africa they, they go to a lot of places where they're not going to draw attention because they can scheme and plan bin laden was in sudan and then bin laden was in afghanistan so this is why this is so dangerous, because we know and remember, it was John Kerry who put Marie Harf out there to say, well, the reason why we got uh, you know, issues with with ISIS is because of uh, the climate change uh, and the drought is what caused these guys uh, to go and become ISIS fighters. And then Marie Harf doubled down when questioned about that and said, uh, essentially, well, it's an unemployment issue. They've got unemployment in Syria. And so these guys have become ISIS members. Oh, OK. Uh, or they're just terrorists, right? Or they're just terrorists. So why are the Europeans so freaked out? Why is why is is uh, a Colonel Kemp freaked out? The British have still not pulled out of Northern Ireland. All right, they understand that the IRA, the Provisional IRA, whatever group you want to have out there operating, is still going to look for opportunity. So you don't pull out of these places. And what they understand is they are now literally on the front lines. I think we're on the front lines because of our open border, which was created by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and, uh, of course, Ron Klain, the chief of staff. Um, I, I think that makes us incredibly vulnerable to not just COVID, but to terrorist attacks. But the fact of the matter is... You're t- the Europeans are on the front lines. Do you remember the Bataclan Theater? Do you remember the bombing of uh, of, of the concert up, up in uh, what up in Manchester? Do, do, do you guys remember the Ariana Grande concert, the Bataclan Theater, Charlie Hebdo, San Bernardino, uh, Fort Hood? You know what? Every one of those attacks occurred on the watch of Barack Obama and Joe Biden. I'm not saying it's Barack Obama or Joe Biden's fault. I'm just being historically accurate here. And so... Why does that happen? 
Why are some neighborhoods more dangerous than other neighborhoods? Because policing is either ineffective or uh, the police are overwhelmed or the police have been told that they have to be defunded and they can't patrol or they've got district attorneys that come in and say, we're not going to prosecute anybody, even if you catch them shooting somebody, all that kind of stuff. When you go soft on crime, when you go soft on terrorism, you get more crime, you get more terrorism. You want less of something? Tax it. Policing and, and operating uh, as, as an organization to go out there and kill off Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, that's a guaranteed way to levy a tax on the behavior. You won't get more of it. You'll get less of it, actually, if you put a boot in their ass. Sorry to curse. I, I know I, I, I run a higher-end show, but this is incredibly frustrating. So let me go a little deeper. It's a guy by the name of Rory Stewart. Now, you're not going to see this guy on any of the channels. Rory Stewart talked about how wrong President Biden was in his indictment of the Afghans. This is going to make your blood boil, and it's probably going to break your heart a little bit, because you look at the narrative that's coming out of the White House, the narrative that's coming out of the Biden administration. And then you hear what Rory Stewart, who's a, an international aid um, uh, expert in the U.K., and he breaks down what happened in Afghanistan over over the last little while. Listen to this. States provided all the air support for the Afghans. They didn't just take their own planes away. They took away 16,000 civilian contractors who were maintaining the Afghan helicopters. It took them out of the country, so those things couldn't even fly. And the morale damage they left in the middle of the night from Bagram. I didn't even tell the commander that they were leaving. The Afghans woke up in the morning all their planes disabled, the Americans have left, no support of any kind. And you're asking who exactly? Who is President Biden asking to fight? I mean, if you are an Afghan woman teaching in a school in Pulicharki, really? Really? I mean, what are they expecting? A bunch of guys come riding in and pick up trucks with heavy machine guns into your town? You don't want the Taliban in there. You don't support them. But if you're genuinely asking them to put up a suicidal fight, when the United States and Britain was not even prepared to keep 2,500 soldiers and some planes in the country with zero casualties, zero risk over the last few years. I mean, this has been an extraordinary betrayal. Right? It's difficult to get the figures, but as far as one can tell, no U.S. serviceman has been killed in Afghanistan for 18 months. No British serviceman for longer than that. This has not been a costly mission since 2014. This was the easiest thing to continue to do for the Afghan people. There was absolutely no reason to do this. To do this, to basically hand them over to the Taliban and then say, it's your fault, you're all a bunch of cowards, when we pulled out and weren't prepared to accept a tiny presence. We have 10 times the number of people who've been in South Korea in the U.S. military for 70 years. Do we think taking them out is going to be smart? Right, nothing's going to happen if you suddenly take them out? This idea that because you haven't sorted everything in 20 years means you have to just walk away. What are we going to do? Okay, so we haven't sorted North and South Korea in 70 years. Take the troops out. But, I mean, it's, it's insanity. Now, you probably don't know when we left Bagram. I can tell you when we left Bagram. We left Bagram on July the 6th in the dark of night. July the 6th. Not two months ago, we left Bagram Air Base which is maybe significantly the most significant um, air base maybe in the whole world. 
because of what it represents. You have Pakistan, a nuclear power on one side. You have the Russians and the Trashkanistans. And then you have Iran, all in that neighborhood. And we had that base. We had control of that base. And we disappeared in the middle of the night like we were going out to get cigarettes. We didn't tell the commander. That commander woke up and said, oh, my God, the Americans split. That's what Rory's talking about in that clip. And then he makes an important point. So who do you want to fight the Taliban, man? Women? Give them guns. The punitive nature of this mission. I, I don't I don't understand where the president uh, justifies this kind of stuff. It doesn't make any sense to me. These people were our allies for 20 years. Yes, I know Trump negotiated the withdrawal, but if, if Trump, if Trump left office on January the 20th, actually the morning of the 20th, and Joe Biden announced that we were pushing forward with this on April the 13th, whatever it was. That is a three-month interval from when Trump left office. There's only so much Trump blame you can go around because you're the commander-in-chief, okay? You've got, you've got, um, Petraeus, you've got Milley, and you've got Lloyd Austin. But they're they're more concerned with, I mean, we put 100,000 National Guard troops in Washington, D.C. off a riot and left them there for six months. Think about that. These guys care more about CRT and, and, and white rage and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to decide whether or not that's the way to go. I'm not going to say that's good. That's bad. That's wrong. The fact of the matter is that's what we're focusing on from a defense posture. That's what we're focusing on with a defense with our defense posture, which is stupid. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's stupid. Nobody supports racism. Nobody wants racism. Nobody wants to see people denied opportunity, race, creed, gender, sex. Nobody wants to see that. Idiots want to exclude people from bringing their talents into the military. Okay, idiots want to do that. But the fact of the matter is this this place where we were was was sort of akin to having having a listening post having a, a place to spy, having a place to look, having a place to find out what's going on. And we just walked away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if in 1945, April of 45, uh, we just bailed on uh, moving against uh, Berlin or, or, or moving east and, and heading towards Berlin. Like, can you imagine? If we were like, well, you know, we're just tired of this damn war. We're we're gonna just, uh, um, I will let the let the Germans handle it. Let the Germans uh, work it out with the Russians. Uh, something will happen. We don't we, we don't need to be part of this anymore. We're out. Goodbye. See you. Good luck, Winston. That bothers me immensely because we don't have a lot of them left. But we still have a lot of World War II people. And these men are watching the permanent, the permanent disabling of America's ability to defend itself and to provide a credible, a credible deterrent to the Russians or to the North Koreans or to the Chinese or to the Iranians or to whoever else pops up and decides they want to try to play games. And understand this if you understand nothing else. This is what's so important about this whole story. 
that loss of credibility does not come back. It, 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 it does not come back. It's impossible. It's impossible. And you have a president who comes out and says things that are just weird and bizarre. We essentially handed Kabul to the Taliban. We cannot go out and pick up Americans who are stuck. The Taliban has free reign. And now this morning, what do we hear from the administration? We hear, well, we might go out and uh, and, and and extend the perimeter. How, how are you going to do that with your 2,500 troops? How are you going to do that? And what happens when the Taliban starts shooting? And what happens when the Taliban takes hostages? And what happens when Al-Qaeda and ISIS come up in support? And what happens and what happens and what happens? I'm going to tell you what this is starting to remind me. I know there's a lot of analogies. I hear Dunkirk. I hear Saigon 75. Uh, I've said it it reminds me of the, the failing of the Maginot line. We know what this really is starting to look to me like. And God, I hope it doesn't come to pass. That base set up like that, those troops, we could easily end up with Beirut 83 again. Because remember, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS love suicide bombings. And they have access to a massive amount of equipment and explosives and weaponry they could easily do a strike on that air base and cripple it these are the sort of things that i think we have to worry about and i don't get the sense that anybody's worrying about it to be honest with you i I, I don't tony blinken is maybe the worst american secretary of state in american history i'm trying to think of somebody who might have been worse and it's it's really uh, taxing my mind this is Tony Blinken talking about, yeah, you know, uh, Major Garrett, uh, here we are. The Taliban is controlling the situation on the ground, and that's just that's just what up. Check it out. And um, someone in our audience might listen to you, Mr. Secretary, and say, oh, so we have to ask the Taliban for permission for American citizens to leave. True or not true? They, they are in control of Kabul. That is the reality. Uh, that's the reality uh, that, uh, that we have to deal with. How comfortable are you with mission- that, Mr. Secretary? Um, my, what I'm, what I'm uh, focused on, uh, what we're all focused on, is getting people out and making sure that we're doing everything possible to do that. And in this case, uh, it uh, is, I think, a requirement of the job uh, to be in contact with, uh, with the Taliban, which controls Kabul. And look, what we've seen, uh, Major, is, is, uh, is also pretty remarkable. Uh, go back a week. The government fell. Uh, and by the way, I was on the phone with, with President Karzai the day before, when he was telling me his intent as he put it to fight to the death. Well, the next day he was gone. The military collapsed. And in the space of that week, our military went in, secured the airport, got our embassy uh, to, to, to safety at the airport from the embassy compound, began this uh, remarkable uh, evacuation effort. By the way, for the record, uh, Hamid Karzai stopped being president of Afghanistan in 2014. These guys obviously peaked in 2014. It's uh, uh, Ashraf Ghani, who was the president. Hamid Karzai did come out and say he would fight to the death in Afghanistan. But it it was Ashraf Ghani who actually left and went and hid out in the UAE. So I don't I don't know what I don't know what Tony Blinken is is doing, what he's talking about. Uh, and, and, And to be that comfortable 
to say, yeah, well, the Taliban is controlling the situation in Kabul. They control Kabul. Taliban controls Kabul. Germans control Paris. Man, these guys would have been great in World War II, huh? They'd have been awesome. Well, you know, Japanese took the Philippines. Can you imagine Douglas MacArthur. I'm not even going to go for the obvious. I know Trump was, was playing clips from Patton at the rally. But, but, I mean, really, just think about our generals. The generals we've had in history. Curtis LeMay. You know, these guys who were committed. John McCain's grandfather and father. Midway. I mean, think about the wins. Oh, it's just really frustrating. And I get it. This is not a conventional war. This is uh, this was going to be a forever war. We can't have any more forever wars. Well, okay. All right. What is the nature of war we're going to have? So we're going to pretend that the war will now be moving forward. And, and I'm sorry to be to be flip. So we're just going to agree that the two armies will meet at the battlefield at dawn and will settle things. Trial, trial by con- combat. What was that thing that Rudy said back during the... I, I just... We are living in a new space. And if you want any evidence, you want proof, you want proof of how off Biden is in this regard. Uh, and I don't want to turn this. I really I do not want to bash him. I don't want to bash the president. It doesn't make me feel good to bash because because a strong president means America is strong. OK, a stable, strong, committed president means we're much safer than we have been in the past. I, I would not have enjoyed. I mean, I was a kid when it happened, but, you know, Jimmy Carter was put in a terrible position. He did a great thing with the Camp David Accords with Israel and, and Egypt, and I salute him for that. And he's done great stuff with Habitat for Humanity. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he, the entire country was held hostage for 444 days. Reagan comes in. There's obviously some level of concern that Reagan might do something about these hostages being held. Nevertheless, I want to see, I would give, I'd be more than happy to see President Biden succeed because it means we're not going to have cities blowing up. Your kids are not going to get deployed to some other hellhole. You're not going to have to worry about going into a city, flying on an airplane. What we have just done, and, and Macron, the president of France, who was Mr. Welcome back to the international community, Joe, when, when, when they went over to Europe uh, back in June, America's back. You know, Macron called them and said, what, what, are you, what are you doing? This is a bad move. This is not good for America. If the French are telling you that, if the Brits are telling you that, if the international aid community is telling you that, if your polls are telling you that, what are you doing? You are allowed to course correct if you're getting it wrong. Love to get your thoughts. On Twitter, at Winterbull Show. On the Facebook page at The Brett Winterbull Show. If you like the podcast, share it, tell your friends, upvote it, do all that sort of stuff, because I enjoy doing these for you, breaking this stuff down. I am Brett Winterbull. This is Devious Motives, the collapse of Afghanistan. Talk to you next time. Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull.